0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Welcome to Family Matters with your host, Dr. Virginia Collins. In this program, we will explore some of the challenges families face and the solutions they create in today's world, where marriage, parenting, and family forms are not what they once were. Now, here is Dr. Virginia Collin.
2: Welcome to Family Matters. I'm your host, Virginia Collin, professional family mediator. My guest today is Amy Baker. Amy is a researcher, an author, a coach, and a world-renowned expert on parental alienation. Not a happy topic, but one that a lot of people need to know about. Um, She has written eight books and over 100 articles on topics such as child abuse, parenting, psychological maltreatment, and um, parental alienation, as I mentioned. Um, We'll be talking today some about her book, Co-Parenting with a Toxic Ex, which Amy wrote with Paul Fine. Welcome to the show, Amy. Hi, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, I'm expecting to learn some things, so looking forward to this. Me too. Um, So let's uh, start with the definition. What is parental alienation? Well,
3: that's the term that we use in the field to describe the family dynamic in which a child is being exposed to 17 primary parental alienation strategies. These are parenting behaviors that are likely to foster a child's unjustified rejection of the other parent. And when that child who's been exposed to these behaviors but comes to the pressure, does reject the other parent, we say that that child is alienated.
2: Okay. Um, is it is this usually done intentionally, maliciously, or is it sort of an accident of being all wrapped up in your own world and just pushing the other parent out of it? You know, that is a great question. I
3: don't know the answer, um, and that's because it is not always easy to know why somebody else does what they do. In fact, it's hard enough to know why we do what we, you know, what what each person does. It's hard to know for yourself why you do what you do. And for the people who do it intentionally, they don't always say, aha, I'm an evil alienator, I'm going to turn the children against you. I mean, some of them do. Some people are very clear about their intentions. But I think where I come down on this is, in terms of detecting whether alienation is occurring or not, it's not relevant whether the person is doing it on purpose or not. In terms of treatment, it is obviously very relevant because the person who's doing it unconsciously, there might be a greater chance of intervening or modifying their behavior than the person who's doing it willfully, knowing that it's you know, an evil, terrible, horrible thing to do to the children and the other parents. But in terms of knowing whether it's happening, it doesn't matter whether the parent doing it is doing it on purpose or not.
2: Okay. So have you seen this um, at all ages of childhood, or is it does it happen more at one age than another? Are teenagers especially vulnerable? You are
3: so smart.
2: That's exactly right. In fact, when I got into this field,
3: oh, you know, 10 years ago, There was sort of a prevailing idea that by the time kids got to be teenagers, you couldn't manipulate them. You couldn't trick them into thinking a parent was no good when that wasn't the case. The belief was, teenagers are so savvy, They're, they're sort of resistant to manipulation. But, of course, we know now that the teenage brain is far from developed, that teenagers, in fact, make very bad decisions that they can be manipulated, they can be bribed, they can be tricked, and, in fact, the teenage brain in particular has an overly developed amygdala, which is the uh, seat of gut reactions and emotional reactions, and underdeveloped prefrontal cortex, which is the seat of reason. And so by the time children get to be teenagers, it's quite possible that they can be turned against a parent who did nothing to deserve their child's hatred. Mm -hmm. The other point about teenagers is that many states have laws that allow children to have a say if there's a custody dispute. So every state has a law regarding what's called the best interest of the child. So if two parents can't agree on the custody and it goes to the court, the court is supposed to consider... He's best interest of the child's factors, and the factors vary from state to state, but most states have, as one of many factors, the child's preference. Often the states will say, as long as the child is 14, some arbitrary age, often it's a teenage year. And so the parents who engage in this know that if they step up the alienation efforts when the kids are teenagers, the courts are least likely to... To override the child's preference, even if the child's been manipulated, to have a preference that ultimately isn't what's right for him. And Mm. so, for both those reasons, alienation does, in fact, occur, even when kids are teenagers.
2: Okay. That's very sad. Um, So, um, is it... Suppose that I am a good and loving parent but my ex is horrible and wants to turn my kids against me. How is that possible? How, how could yeah. you do that?
3: So again, there is, there's a lot about parental alienation that we say is counterintuitive. In other words, it's sort of common sense or intuitive to think that children would side with the better parent. Kids know which parent's going to make them do their homework and make them go to soccer practice and it's going to, you know, raise them right. And the kids would naturally want to be with that parent. But that's actually not true. So it's counterintuitive that, in fact, children will side often with an abusive parent or a parent that's manipulating them to hate the other parent. Now, the thing I want to say about that is it does not happen overnight. It doesn't happen like this. Parent A wakes up and says to the kids, you know, Johnny, you love your mother or father, depending on, you know, which parent's doing the alienation. You love that other parent. But I bet you tomorrow I'm going to make you hate that parent. That would not work. Right? Right. Just like nobody wakes up and says... Today is the day I'm going to shave my head and give away all my money and cut off my friends and family so that I can live in a cult and stand in the airport for 18 hours a day selling flowers for nickels so the guru can have 18 Mercedes Benz. Nobody says that. That's not how it Mm -hmm. works. It works through a process that, that I can refer to as incremental erosion of critical thinking skills. What that means is... Bit by bit, slowly, baby step by baby step, the alienating parent induces the child to believe that the other parent is unsafe, unloving, and unavailable and warps the child's perceptions, rewrites history, reinterprets the present so that everything the other parent does is pointed out to be proof that that other parent doesn't love the child. So that over time, slowly, 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 the child adopts this distorted thought, distorted beliefs, distorted feelings, and comes to believe that a formerly loving, loved parent is unsafe, unloving, and unavailable. But it does not happen overnight, for sure.
2: I would think that to have this much influence over a child, to make the child you know, forget what really happened and believe your version of history and make the child believe things about the other parent who, that are not true, you would have to be with the child a lot. I, I would think that it would be the parent who has primary custody of the child might be able to alienate the child from the parent who has less time but it would be rare for this to go in the other direction. Is that true?
3: Well, there's no data per se that looks at the percentage of cases in which alienation happens by the custodial parent or the non-custodial parent, but I can tell you absolutely for a fact parents of all different degrees of contact with the kids, as long as there's some contact, can be alienators. I know a case, and this is just a random case I'm thinking of. It's not like I'm stretching to think of some, you know, extreme example where a parent abandoned the child for a full year, absolutely no contact, and then walked back into the child's life and turned that kid against the parent who'd been there loving and taking care of that child day in, day out for the last year and, of course, for the 15 years before then and turned the kid against that parent within a matter of weeks. So wow. that's, a, that's a part of it that's counterintuitive. Again, we would think if a child is living with, say, mom and only spends weekends or every other weekend with, say, dad, that it would be impossible for dad to turn the kids against mom. But that's not the way it works. So and I want to explain, if I can, a little bit about the psychology of it because it's not as extreme as saying, look at that parent, they're a Martian. See the antenna on their head? And the (laughs) kid's having a hallucination. It's more like this. The child gets upset with the targeted parent and says, you know, Dad, I don't want you to call me for a while. I need a break. Now, if Dad listens to the child and doesn't call, what would Mom say? See? See? I told you dad didn't love you. If he really loved you, he would be trying to see you, right? Mm, But if if dad does contact the child, then the alienating parent can say, see, I told you he didn't love you. If he really loved you, he would have respected you and given you space. So in many situations, it's not clear what's absolutely the right thing to do. Mm, and so whatever gotcha. the targeted parent does, I can't believe they made you eat broccoli. I can't believe they let you get away without eating broccoli. I can't believe they made you stay up late and study. I can't believe they didn't force you to stay up late and study. There's no clear, this is good, this is bad. In the vast right. majority of parenting is an art, right?
2: Right, yeah, so, I see.
3: When do you punish the child? Sometimes you give them some slack. Your child lies to you, and you have a talk, and you feel like you got through to your child. Maybe you don't punish them. That could Mm -hmm. look like terrible permissive parenting. It's The truth is, all parents are imperfect. All parents frustrate and disappoint their children. Even the best of parents, sorry, honey, you can't have 10 cookies for breakfast, right? I mean, all kids have natural feelings of resentment towards their parents. So what the alienating parent does is they latch on to those real things that are really happening that the child is already a little bit upset about and convinces the child that those actions are proof that the other parent doesn't love them.
2: Mm-hmm. And those are themes that run through your book that uh, a parent who is deliberately or not quite so deliberately trying to alienate a child from the other parent will describe that other parent as being not safe or not loving or not available or all of the above.
3: Correct. So, you know, there's a million bad things that one parent can say about the other. You know, mm-hmm. I can't believe... And I've that probably camp-
2: heard most of them in my line of work.
3: <laughs> yes, you probably have. I don't like the way they dress. Their, their friends are stupid. I can't believe their family's stupid. Their job is stupid. That thing they said, the books they read are stupid. I can't believe they like that music or that movie or those books or whatever. I, but when you boil it down, when you peel away the specifics, the bottom line message that the child is getting from the alienating parent about the other parent is that the other parent doesn't love the child. And so, Mm -hmm. even though alienated children behave very rudely, angry, nasty towards the targeted parent, really, inside, they are hurt because they feel rejected by that
2: parent. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, we have a couple minutes before we take a little break. After break, we'll talk about what a parent can do if you're the victim of the other parent alienating your child from you. But just before break, let's go over a little bit of how these kids behave when they have been alienated. What are some of the the things that they do that you wouldn't see other kids doing?
3: Yeah, so there's eight behaviors, and I know we won't have time to go through all of them, but they're called the Eight Behavioral Manifestations of Alienation. So the first is a campaign of denigration, meaning the child is, vehemently negative towards the targeted parent, above and beyond whatever crimes that parent supposedly committed. And part of the campaign of denigration is erasing the past. So alienated kids will say, I never loved that parent or I never had a good time with that parent. Even if you show them a photograph of them having seemingly having a good time, They will say, that was photoshopped, or that's not me, or I only smiled because I was told I would be punished if I didn't smile. They can't admit that they ever had a good time with that parent. They're nasty and horrible in the present, and they will show no interest in having a good relationship with that parent in the future. So you could take a 10-year-old or 15-year-old or whatever alienated kid and say, what could mom do to fix this? How could she change? How could you imagine having a relationship with her again? Mom is willing to do anything. She'll jump through flaming hoops. She'll go into therapy with you. What could she do? And the kid will say, I never want to see that parent again. I can't imagine anything ever being good with that parent again. I have no interest in having a relationship. That's the first of the eight behaviors. And it is so extreme and so unusual that even kids who have been abused or beaten, abandoned, or neglected or molested by a parent don't erase the past with that parent. They don't say, my mother beat me, and she was never, ever, ever, ever good to me. Or, my mother beat me, and I can't ever imagine having a good relationship. In fact, most kids in the child welfare system who we know have been abused, abandoned, beaten, neglected, Go home to that parent and want to go home to that parent.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So the way that alienated kids behave is very unusual, and isn't it's so outside the norm of a normal uh, child development because all kids, and other than alienated kids, want to be loved, want to by both parents, want to feel closeness with their parents. And want to be approved of, they care about the love and approval of their parents because that's how they derive their self-esteem. So for a child to say, "Eh, I always hated my parent and I never want to see them again is very weird and clinically significant.
2: Okay. All right. We're going to take a break now, and we'll come back soon and talk more about how these kids act and especially talk about what a parent can do to recover the relationship and help the child through that period. No one can tell you how much money you'll have or when you'll see your children, right? Wrong. It happens every day in divorce court. Don't let it happen to you. When dealing with separation, divorce, co-parenting, or care of an elderly relative, there is a better way: mediation. Save time, save money, and save your children. To learn more, visit the Academy of Professional Family Mediators at apfmnet.org. That's a p f m n e t .org.
0: Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions, especially in cases of divorce. Far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively in a private, confidential setting. We help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit colinfamilymediationgroup.com. Colin has 1 L and no S.
4: Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Colin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99.
1: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to show at com. Now, back to Family Matters.
2: I'm Virginia Collin here today with Amy Baker, who is the auth- the co-author of Co-parenting with a Toxic Ex, and we're talking about alienated children. Um, Amy, we've we've described the kids a little. They're they're rude, they're disrespectful, they're hurtful, and they don't seem to feel guilty about rejecting their parents. It's a very unusual way for a child to act. What is that? doing to the child, and what can the parent do about it?
3: Well, in the long run, being exposed to the 17 primary parental alienation strategies and becoming alienated is very damaging to a child's sense of self, ability to trust other people, ability to develop healthy relationships. It basically warps the child's moral compass, because the child is being taught by one parent to not care about the feelings of the other parent. And in fact, the child is being taught, oh, if your father gives you a present you don't like or comes 10 minutes late or displeases you in some way, just cut him out of your life. So imagine a child being taught that lesson, moving through life, thinking it's okay to only think about yourself or it's okay to cut off people who you don't like. These are people who are going to have a very difficult time, you know, managing complicated adult relationships, respecting the authority of their bosses, being able to feel compassion and empathy for other people. So it's a terrible thing to do to a child for many, many, many reasons. Um, Now, in terms of what a parent can do, I would say the most important thing is to become familiar with the 17 primary parental alienation strategies. And they're in various places. You could probably Google it, but I also have a paper on my website called Beyond the High Road. People can buy that. They're in a condensed version in co-parenting with a toxic X, so you could read that book and get them. But the main thing is everybody who's in a co-parenting relationship should know what those behaviors are, Make sure they're not doing it, and then be alert to the other parent doing it before it's too late. So many people call me, and they say, you know, I haven't spoken to my kids in weeks, months, years, you know, whatever it is. Um, Now I read your paper, and I see those 17 behaviors, and my goodness, they've all been happening for years. I just didn't know it. I didn't Mm. connect the dots. Sure, I saw my ex refer to me by my first name. And sure, I saw that my name wasn't on the, you know, school emergency form. And sure, the other person was chipping away at my parenting time. But they're not connecting the dots. And so the first thing is, knowledge is power. Know what alienation is and be alert to it so that you can react appropriately And if you need to, you know, get mental health help, get an attorney, you need to know what you're dealing with. So that is definitely the first step. The second big piece of advice I have sort of is the opposite, which is don't forget to look at your own behavior. One problem that many parents who are beginning to learn about alienation has is every time their child criticizes you they think oh that's that alienation my kid's complaining that i'm giving him broccoli because you know mom put that you know that idea in his head or my kid's complaining that he doesn't like the way i put him to bed because dad is complaining about that and now my kid thinks everything i do is horrible my point is You have to start by looking at yourself, and when your kid criticizes you, before you jump to the conclusion that it's alienation, that it's an implanted false complaint, and then you can just be angry at the other parent and disregard the child's complaint, you have to look at, what is really going on with my child? Are they really upset about this thing that I'm doing? And maybe I need to change it. Maybe I need to explain it to my child. But don't just jump to assuming that every issue isn't your fault. So that's Mm -hmm. the second main uh, piece of advice I have for targeted parents. I can can keep going if you want.
2: (laughs) Okay, so those two pieces of advice. One is to be aware of what the other parent might be doing that's going to manipulate and mislead the child. And the second is to remember that there could actually be a problem with how you are behaving. So you can't just right away blame everything on the ex, yeah? Yep. Okay. All right. So your book has um, a lot to say about positive parenting. You know, if you think this sort of campaign to turn your child against you is happening, what are the things that you as a parent can do in interaction with your child and in relationship with your child that will help? prevent alienation from happening or maybe help to win a child back after some alienation has taken place. So tell me about positive parenting. Well, one thing that
3: happens with alienation is because the parent is constantly under attack, being demeaned and maligned and um, under fire, parents often become either uh very passive and despondent and sort of demoralized, or they become angry and reactive and confrontative with their kid. And those are sort of the twin demons of being a targeted parent. Either you sort of give up and you become a doormat, or all you do is fight with your kid. And targeted parents just often don't know That there's this whole other set of behaviors that you can engage in that can deepen and strengthen the parenting relationship, inoculate the child from alienation, and undo the lie that you are unsafe, unloving, and unavailable. Let me give you a concrete example. Mm -hmm. Many alienated kids will complain to the targeted parent, you stole my college money. I mean, I've heard four-year-olds. They don't know what money is, and they certainly don't know what college is, but they have their hands on their hips, and they're very, very angry. Now, the targeted parents generally will say, what do you mean? That's a lie. Who told you that? I didn't steal your money. Okay, now, if you hear my tone of voice, I sound mm-hmm. angry, right? Mm-hmm. So what does the kid think? Mommy's calling me a liar. Dad's right. Mommy is mean, right? The kid doesn't yep. care about the college money. So, or the parents, or they run upstairs and they get the bank statement and they wave it in front of the kid's face, but the kid doesn't look because they don't really care about the money and they don't know how to read bank statements. All right? (laughs) Yes. So, the first thing I tell targeted parents is never say to your child, that's not true, that's a lie, who told you that? It does not work. Even if your kid says, you molested me when I was a baby, you beat me when I was a baby, you stole my money, you had an affair... You ruined the marriage. I don't care what it is. You don't know how to boil water, which one alienated kid told his father, right? Wow. So it doesn't matter what it is. You never start with a correction. So there's five steps that you have to do. And, it, and I really, I developed the thought, the order of the five myself, but I really am drawing from the principles of positive parenting. So the first thing you do when your kid falsely accuses you is thank them. And you say, thank you so much for telling me that you think I stole your college money. I could tell that something was bothering you. I'm so proud of you that you could tell me what the problem is. And I coach parents to really mean it. If it's false, if you're you're saying it with a phoniness, it's not going to do the job. The point is, if your child stops complaining to you, you don't have a relationship, right? Complaint is part of relationships. It's a way yeah. to solve a problem. So I And, want and there,
2: there is truth in the fact that if somebody tells you, this is what I'm mad at you about, then you know what the problem is. You can start to That's do right. something about it.
3: Right. So, <laughs> so than things, 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 thanks are in yes. order. <laughs> How dare you accuse me of that? You have to start with a thank you. And you could even heap it on and say, you know, it's awfully easy to complain about somebody behind their back. It takes courage to tell somebody to their face what it is that's bothering you. So you really want to encourage criticism as a way to inoculate inoculate against alienation. So that's step one. Step two is compassion. And that means paying attention to the feelings in the moment. Is your child confused or angry or worried or sad or scared or hurt? What is it they're feeling? You have to pay attention to that. So you might say, thank you so much for telling me you think I stole your college money. No wonder you are so confused. I, I can see it on your face. You don't know who I am and, and whether I could do this to you. That must be so confusing. Then step three is empathy. Where you would say, you know, I would be awfully confused if I thought my mom stole my college money. Or I would be so mad. Again, you're picking up on the feeling that the child's expressing. And you're showing that you care about their feelings and you can relate to it. Step four is a minor correction. And you would say, "No," I say no more than two sentences. You know, honey... I didn't steal your money, and I can show you the statement if you want. That's it. And then step five is right back to compassion. But what really matters is how upset you are. If you start with the correction, your kid will not hear you because they don't care about the thing that they are telling you that they're upset about. What they're really saying is, don't you love me? And the only way to show somebody you love them is by being loving. Mm-hmm. It's very hard for targeted parents to do. They want to run away from criticism because they're so victimized by the other parent picking on them all the time. They don't want to pay attention to the feelings because they feel like that. if you say to your kid, you must be angry at me, the kid, they're afraid the kid's going to say, you're darn tootin' I'm man. In fact, I'm furious. But it doesn't work that way. If you say, Mm -hmm. you must be so mad at me, it brings the the anger down. It dials it down rather than inflames it. But it's a leap of faith. It's part of what's counterintuitive about alienation. So you have to deal with the feelings that the child is expressing and the fear that you have hurt them in some way by being loving. It's the only way to heal the psychic wound that the child has that's making them be so angry.
2: Mm-hmm. I see. I didn't get all of that from my first read of your book. Thank you.
3: you no, know, you're I was, welcome. I, was I
2: focusing to, more I, on, on things like instilling respect and fostering critical thinking. Do you want to say a little bit yes. about that? Absolutely.
3: So... Critical thinking is the process of thinking about how you think. And it's a wonderful tool. I wish schools did much, much, much more about that because we really don't want people blindly voting for somebody for president or blindly buying a brand of something in the supermarket or whatever it is. You know, it's easy to just sort of go with, um, just sort of take the easy way. So what we ideally want, I believe as a society, is to instill critical thinking in kids so that from the very beginning they're they're thinking about, why do I think Mrs. Jones is a bad math teacher? Why do I have this friend? Why do I believe what I believe? And if we can instill that in kids, it's not just about parenting, like about the other parent, That you don't go there right away, but you start with helping them just think about their belief system. And if we can do that, then there are, less likely to be manipulated by the alienator, because the kid will have more awareness of why he's thinking what he's thinking. So, for example, if an alienated child goes to, says to a targeted parent, you know, um, I believe that children only need one parent, right? That's sort of a typical thing. I don't need you, Dad. I I have Mom, and I don't need you as a parent.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
3: The dad could very easily fall into the trap of being despairing or being reactive and angry. How dare you say that? That's disrespectful, blah, blah, blah. But it would be more important, I think, to say, huh, what an interesting idea. Tell me about it. Gotcha. Or if a kid says, and this is standard, classic, the kid says, math is so dumb. Why do I have to study math? Most parents, when a kid says something like that, the parent just goes into teacher mode. Well, son, let's see. There's banking. We have to know math to deal with money. And then there's cooking. When you, you know, when you're doing cooking, you need to have math and you're using recipes. And we use math all the time. Blah, 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 blah. I'm so smart and interesting. But it would, and all the kid hears is blah, 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 blah. So when a kid <laughs> asks a question, I encourage parents to say, huh. Awesome question, dude. Why do you have to study math? What do you think? And the kid Very will good. come up with some ideas, right? So yeah. If it, if it, so here's my favorite. The, the alienated kid says to the targeted parent, you're, you know, you're so mean. Why are you making me spend time with you? Rather than launching into a thing, well, you need me and I'm a good parent, La da 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 you say, you know, that's a great question. Why am I doing that? And the kid might say, because you're mean. And you're like, you know, you're right. That's one possible reason I want to spend time with you, because I'm mean. Can you think of any other reason why I would want to spend time with you? Got it. And don't give them the answer. It's If they come up with it, just asking the question of them gets a certain part of their brain going that's teaching them, don't just take everything that's given to you
2: think about it think about your thinking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very good all right we're going to take another break now when we come back we'll talk about what parents can do to strengthen their bond their positive bond with a child to hopefully inoculate a child from parental alienation and i'm not sure where else we'll go but i'm sure it'll be interesting
4: Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Collin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. Most adults are
0: able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions, especially in cases of divorce. Far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively. In a private, confidential setting, we help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit Group.com. Colin has one L and no S.
2: No one can tell you how much money you'll have or when you'll see your children, right? Wrong. It happens every day in divorce court. Don't let it happen to you. When dealing with separation, divorce, co parenting, or care of an elderly relative, there is a better way mediation. Save time, save money, and save your children. To learn more, visit the Academy of Professional Family Mediators at APFMNET.org. That's APFMNET.org.
1: Streaming live. The leader in Internet Talk Radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to show at com. Now, back to Family Matters.
2: Welcome back to Family Matters with Virginia Collin and my guest, Amy Baker, talking about parental alienation. Um, uh, We're jumping around a bit, but now I'm going to jump into what parents can do to strengthen the emotional bond that their child has with them so that the child may be protected from any efforts to misperceive you or turn turn the child against you, make the child think that you're not safe or you're not loving or you're not available to the child. So what what do you encourage parents to do to strengthen a bond with a child?
3: Well, I, there's definitely some things I can mention that I haven't already mentioned, but I do want to make the point that the things that I've already talked about in terms of being interested in the child's thought process and cultivating critical thinking in the child and being appreciative when they criticize all of those things, when I when I, I do a lot of coaching with targeted parents, telephone coaching with parents all around mm-hmm. the country who are dealing with this, and when I tell them, thank your child when they criticize you, and I really work with them to be compassionate rather than reactive, so when mm-hmm. the child says something, I'll, I'll encourage the targeted parent to be interested in what the child's experiences, rather than assuming that they know where the child's coming from, that it reduces the conflict in the parent-child relationship, tremendously. So, for example, I had a parent who wanted her child to go to a, a really good private school, and the alienating dad wanted the kid to go to a mediocre public school. And the mom and the kid are fighting, fighting, fighting. And I coached her to ask the kid, why do you think I'm pushing for you to go to this school? And it completely changed the, the relationship that they had around that issue, she didn't even have to tell him, but he figured it out. She was doing it because she thought it was the right school, not because she hates him or wants to torture him. Or And in fact, he went to the school and thanked her for encouraging him to go. So mm-hmm. all these positive parenting techniques help strengthen the relationship. And I want to boil it down to one, one or two more principles. Mm-hmm. So the first, one, the first one is, I don't know if anybody else uses this term, but I've coined this term, I think, compassionate curiosity. And it's really about being interested in the child's point of view. And too often, as targeted parents, we are so focused on correcting the lie. How dare you think that I beat you? How dare you think that I did this? Of course I didn't do that that we forget to be interested in what that means to a child. So a child might not really care that you stole their money. They might be worried that there's no money for them. Mm -hmm. So you have to really start by being interested to put aside your own anxiety and your own anger and focus on what does this mean to my child. And we can't know. That's sort of the bottom line. I'll ask parents a lot, like, well, what do you think your child meant when he said, blah, blah, blah. And they say to me, you know, I don't really know. I assumed he meant, you know, this thing. But now that I think about it, I'm really not sure. And so a lot of my coaching is encouraging parents to go back to their kids and say, you know, we had a conversation yesterday and you said something to me and I forgot to ask you, how did you feel about that? Or what did that mean to you? And I think that The kids are incredibly grateful. They want to be understood. And too often as parents, we're just really reactive. You know, the the kid comes to the the car at the end of the school day and says, Mrs. Jones was mean to me. You know, she gave me a bad grade. And we're like, oh, she's not such a bad teacher. Oh, it'll be better tomorrow. Just sort of these platitudes rather than, well, what do you mean? What does that mean when you say she was mean? Tell me about that. Because I care about your experience. So Mm -hmm. compassionate curiosity goes a very long way to deepening and strengthening the relationship. And the other thing is, and I mentioned this a little bit, but I can say a little bit more about it, inviting criticism. So I encourage targeted parents to say to their kids, you know, I've never been a parent of you now that you're eight. You know, I've never been a parent of an eight-year-old or whatever the situation is, tell me, how am I doing? What can I do to be a better parent for you? And that doesn't mean that you're going to give them everything. So if the kid says, give me a million dollars, you're like, well, let's put that on the list. Million dollars.
2: How about a horse? What? How about a horse?
3: (laughs) Yeah. Could I just have a horse, Mom? (laughs) Yeah. What would you, oh, I didn't know you wanted a horse. What would you do with the horse? What would you name the horse? I wish I had enough money to buy you a horse. What else? Maybe there's something that I can do for you now. How could I be a better parent to you? And again, targeted parents are afraid of that because they think the kid's going to say, you know, drop dead. And it's like, well, I'm not planning on dropping dead, so what else? Okay, it's got to be
2: hard to be that relaxed about it and hard to be relaxed and light about it when your kid is saying, how about you drop dead?
3: Right. That's very true. So there's a lot of role playing that I do in my coaching, but I really I get a lot of feedback that kids really appreciate it when their parents ask them how can we have a better relationship? How does this feel for you? Especially when there's somebody on the other end, metaphorically whispering in the child's ear, that other parent doesn't care, they're no good, they're stupid. It's harder to believe that lie if, the, if you as a targeted parent are behaving in a very loving,
2: attentive way.
3: That doesn't mean that you're a doormat, by the way.
2: Right? Mm-hmm. So it
3: doesn't yeah. mean that your kid gets... Because you're to the parent. After. You still
2: have to sometimes be the person who says, well, these are the rules and this is the way we do it.
3: Right. But you could still be interested in why do you want to stay up all night? What would that be like for you? Rather than just, no, we don't do that. Mm-hmm. There's ways to set rules that still can be compassionate and curious about who this child is and what they need and what their thoughts and feelings are. hmm
2: Okay. Let's talk a little bit about emotion coaching. That was an interesting section in the book.
3: Um, well, there's so much of emotional manipulation for alienated kids where they're being encouraged to feel things or express their feelings in ways that are really distorted. And so I think it's very helpful for targeted parents to teach their to role model teach through role modeling appropriate expressions of emotion. So if you're driving a car and somebody cuts you off, you know, the alienating parent, and I'm going to overgeneralize here for a moment, is likely to have road rage and say, oh, somebody cut me off, we better, you know, cut them off, and they're no good, and what a jerk, and sort of encouraging kids to be kind of hateful and angry and, Arrogant, And so I think it's important for the targeted parents to reflect a more balanced, compassionate uh, relationship to other people. And can, they can say something like, boy, that was really frustrating for me when I you know, was trying to drive and that person cut me off. Because then they're teaching the child through role modeling how to manage emotions. And we need that in alienated kids so that they're not flying off the handle of the targeted parents.
2: Mhm. Yeah, I think um, probably most kids, even, you know, kids with parents in the normal range of parent behavior will really benefit from emotion coaching. Really benefit from learning to label emotions, recognize emotions in themselves, be a little bit sensitive to emotions in other people.
3: Yep. And then linking the emotion coaching to the critical thinking. So like, why am I so angry? And what would happen if I weren't angry? What would happen if I forgave mom? What would happen if I didn't hate my father? Mm-hmm. You know, really, there's, all of these skills are important for all parents to be doing with kids. But mm-hmm. they're essential. If you don't do these kinds of things, you are likely to lose your kid if the other parent is trying to turn your kid against you. Mm-hmm. And so they're essential for targeted parents, but really awesome <laughs> for all parents to be doing. And, I, you know, I try in my own life to do them all the time, and it's really hard. You really can't do them all the time. But, it, but at least to have them in your consciousness mm-hmm. is, a good, is a good thing. I think, in fact, some of these skills I think are important in all human relationships. Like if you have a – if you're a supervisor – to say to the people you supervise, you know, how could I be a better supervisor to you? I want you to tell me if I do something that hurts your feelings. Please don't hold it in. I mean, how awesome would it be if we all had bosses who did that?
2: Yeah, that'd be cool. Right? Yeah. Okay. Jumping around again, let's talk a little bit about cell phones. They get... Uh, Cell phones get in the middle of a lot of struggles between co-parents who don't get along well with each other and their kids. Yes. So the bottom line is don't
3: take your child's cell phone away. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm being a little glib and I'm generalizing here, but there's one of the things that happens once kids become far along the road of becoming alienated is that the alienated kid and the alienating parent are teaming up. And they're looking for the targeted parent to make a parenting mistake so that they can then say, that's the reason Johnny doesn't want to see his dad anymore, right? That sort of (laughs) things are bad. There's lots and lots of conflict, especially for the parents who aren't getting coaching or haven't read these books or other books. They're going to be biting with their kids. How dare you call me this? How dare you say that? How dare you think this? You know, they're making every mistake because it's very typical. And then there's an incident. Often it's around the cell phone, taking the kid's cell phone. Sometimes there's physical, uh, not abuse, but there's some kind of physical action of grabbing the phone. The kid gets scratched or his arm gets twisted or a finger gets bent. I've heard of lots of situations where the targeted parent, you know, goes for the cell phone and somebody gets hurt. And when that happens, you then have a physical abuse claim against you. You have the, tar- the alienating parent and the kid sort of pouncing on that. Like they're mm-hmm. all prepared for the kid to cut off the parent and they're just waiting for them to make a mistake. And mm-hmm. so targeted yeah. parents don't have the luxury of being average parents who grab the cell phone out of their kid's hand and say, you know... You blew it, Johnny. That's the last time I told you to stop texting. You go up to your room, and you're going to lose your cell phone privileges for two weeks. You can't do that, unfortunately, as a targeted parent. For one thing, the other parent's just going to buy the kid a new phone, right? I mean, you basically, if you're pretty far along on the alienation uh, continuum, you have no parental authority left. Amy, I I apologize
2: for interrupting, but we have about one minute left, and I want to give you a chance to just say anything that you want to repeat for emphasis or anything you want to make sure to squeeze in, and let us know what your website is.
3: Okay, so um,
2: you can tell. I feel very passionately about this issue. I could
3: talk on and on and on. I have a million examples and stories, and I really um, feel for all targeted parents out there and my heart goes out to them, and I am available for coaching, and I have all sorts of resources on my website, which is www.amyamy, then the letter J, the letter L, and then my last name, Baker, B-A-K-E-R, .com, com. My personal phone number is on my website. My email is on my website. I'm an expert witness. I have lots of resources on my website, and I... I encourage all targeted parents to take care of themselves and get educated and empowered and learn some of these tools so that they can hold on to their kids because their kids need them, even if the kids don't know it. Okay. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. It's been a a pleasure.
1: Thank you for joining us this week on Family Matters. Please tune in for another edition featuring host Dr. Virginia Collin next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be kind, heal, and grow.